Hey guys, I'm Alex, and this is Launchbox Radio. And today, we're going to talk about a little movie you might have heard of if you're in anime called Your Name. Now, Your Name is obviously like a huge, huge, huge thing for anime, and like doing a review of it is a big deal. So, I started out this review doing this review and wa- watching the movie again since I just recently got the Blu-ray for it um, a little differently than I normally do. Usually I just like watch it and then my review is kind of me just talking through exactly like the not only the plot but like the way the plot feels and the way the thing looks but I wanted to try and be more prepared for this. Um, so I have a list of notes here. And a whole lot of good that does, because there must be at least approaching on 50 bullet points that I somehow took down in the course of watching this movie. Um, again, I might, I might add, I saw this movie, the first time I saw this movie, I went to this, see it in the theater in New York City, in Times Square actually, um, when Funimation released it. And I saw it with my a friend of mine who is Japanese, and we saw it subtitled, and she did not read the subtitles. I read the subtitles, but the subtitles were funky? They, they were a little odd, but they were also cut off on the bottom, so I had to, like, they weren't unreadable, but they were, it was distracting let's say. Um, so that was my experience. That was the, the technical experience with it in the theater, but the like experience of seeing the movie was really incredible for all kinds of reasons I'll get into in a little bit. Um, but so I... It's rare that I feel I need to own a physical copy of a show these days. I mean, I have a not a nothing physical collection, but like I have about two, two to two and a half shelves of anime DVDs from back when I really collected anime DVDs. I have a couple Blu-rays that I've like tossed in there, um, but for the most part, I have largely a digital collection, both from the shady day, the what I refer to as my. Shady Pirate Days, which was back before streaming anime was legal, and it was all it was all just up in the air. And like I have legally bought stuff um, off of iTunes or other things, and like I have those whole collections like in in its place. Also, I subscribe to literally all of the streaming services. So I have access to all of, to the enti- to the entirety of all the stuff available from there, um, but it's rare that I think like, uh, no, I want a Blu-ray of that of this movie or of this show, and I wanted a Blu-ray of Your Name. I got it for like twenty bucks off of Amazon, but the reason I wanted a Blu-ray of Your Name was because it is. It is a unique thing in anime. 
Now, lots of people know about Spirited Away. They know it's one of the top grossing animated features in the world. This movie sits up in that echelon with Spirited Away. And not only is it not a Studio Ghibli movie, but it's not the kind of movie you would expect to kind of sit up there with um, like Spirited Away, Princess Monoki, the like standard Studio Ghibli mailing lists, list of feature films and stuff. Um, it is by, it is the, like, brainchild of, um, Makoto Shinkai, who is kind of a video game, comes from the video game industry, and he specializes in making, like, soul-crushing, deeply sad... sci-fi-esque time romance tragedy (laughs) is also particularly gorgeous looking and the way he does that is he uses computer animation to make up for what normal quote-unquote hand animation kind of lacks or would require tons of work to get to. So in Your Name in particular, this is one of my notes, um, (laughs) they are useful. He, He does a lot with soft focus and with like, um, just soft focus and camera placement and stuff like that, that you realize, like, oh, this this would be really difficult, like, this shot would be really difficult for a... for a hand animation to be done with it because this shot would be forever long and, like, be have to be super detailed and take forever and have all kinds of layering in it. And it would have to be just right. And it would have to be punched up with a computer anyway. So things like he um, uses it to affect for a soft focus. Um, his backgrounds. His background art and his... And even his character art and the colors of most of his movies are really what stands out. Like His movies have this distinct... Like super saturated color that make even so this this movie takes place over the plot which I'll get to in a second um in the Japanese countryside and Tokyo and the colors in each of those settings are like super vibrant super punchy and really just like they they bring they help bring the whole thing to life even more. Um, but as for the story, 
this story starts the story for your name starts right off the bat in a really non-linear way and the first the first time you see this movie um y- it'll feel like a hiccup at first and then you'll realize like oh that that's what was happening um you start with the characters kind of at the end of the story so you start at the end essentially for a couple seconds, and the characters basically say, like, I'm looking for something. And then it jumps back, it, it jumps back to the beginning of the story, and you are introduced to Mitsuha, who is the main character of... Actually, before you do any of that, we, what happens is, is you are taken through kind of an opening sequence. And this is... This is the one issue I have with the dub. I think the dub is plenty fine. I, I think that the... I saw it originally in Japanese with subtitles as I mentioned before, and there are certain saying there are certain anime there are certain anime properties that once you watch that until you watch the dub you're not you haven't really seen it in the quote unquote correct way. One of these properties is Cowboy Bebop. If you're watching the Japanese audio of Cowboy Bebop I'm just gonna say it, you fucked up, you made some bad life choices, you need to, like, turn off the TV, go, like, sit in the corner and examine, like, what you want to do with your life, because you are headed down the wrong path, and you should be ashamed of yourself. But for most shows, the, the bar I, the Bar, the line I draw now is, especially since I'm an, adult, I'm an adult and I have stuff to do with my life and I can't spend, like, hours on end reading a TV show. I don't have that kind of energy or that kind of time. Um, and sometimes I just want something on to, like, multitask to. Um, but usually I, I think... Do I like this show enough to pause everything else I'm doing and, like, consciously watch it and get invested in it? And, I mean, your name, it was offered subtitles. I think it was offered, there were showings that were dubbed, but I wanted to see it subtitled since the person who I was going with, I knew it was Japanese and I knew she was like that and blah, 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 blah. Um... But I had gotten used to I got used to it s- subtitled. I got used to the subtitled version. So I was it was a little bit of a shock to see the dubbed to hear the dubbed actors at first, but I got used to it. The thing I did not get used to and the reason why I'm bringing this up now is they did like a transliteration on the opening song. And it's not that it's bad. It just doesn't... 
it doesn't have the same impact that it did when it was used for the opening as a as a wholly Japanese song. But the thing about so just a little technical note here. The thing about American animation is that when oftentimes when America when American animation is done, the at least traditionally the all the noises and sounds are done beforehand. You might bring in voice talent later to voice specific characters, but it's it's a very technical process and like people get paid people get pay, seriously paid to like dub things in um in American animation. And there are really famous and there is a whole crowd of people who follow voice actors and anime, don't get me wrong. But typically in the anime industry, the sound comes second. So stuff doesn't suffer, but it's not as connected, meaning like lip flaps aren't as considered, like the pacing of a scene and the pacing of music chosen with the scene isn't always as synchronized. But in cases where they do openings and endings of anything, the music and the animation are oftentimes chosen at the same time. This is the process. This is a kind of thing that is called an anajam in the in like student animation work, basically. And so when you have a opening that is specifically made with a specific song, you are really, really, really risking the integrity of that opening if you do anything to the song. Even if it has the same beats, if it has different lyrics, it will still feel different. And I'm not saying that like you shouldn't watch the English dub if that's what you're into for this movie. Go ahead. Just know that the Japanese opening, in my opinion at least, it it feels better to watch and to like experience as a thing, as a beautiful just piece of animation and a beautiful piece of sakuga because it's as it was intended, not as it was adapted. Um, but so basically you come in on uh, Mitsu- on Mitsuha and she wakes up and she kind of freaks out and you so like wakes up and, she, and the, when I was talking about the Makoto Shinkai doing things with soft focus that maybe that a hand animation team would have difficulty with, this is the perfect example. When when you're introduced to first Mitsuha's room and then Taki's room later on, there's a kind of like soft, just waking up focus that 
is gorgeously done and very well used, but if you know anything about hand animation, that kind of like blur is difficult to control perfectly. And they pull it off flawlessly, and there's a little bit of like, oh, that's that's a compute that looks like it's made by a computer, but not so much that you would really notice it if you weren't looking for it. And it just the so Mitsuha, quote unquote, we'll get to that read in a minute. Wakes up and she freaks out, touched her boobs. Her little sister, um, I forget her little sister's name, comes and gets her and says, you know, time to get up. Her little sister is kind of portrayed as being like a jerk to her all the time, first thing in the morning. Um, and so Mitsuha realizes that she is not in the right body. She is actually a he in a she in in Misaba's body, and gets up is like I don't know what he, this. And he says at, when he's like groping Misaba's when Taki, we'll, we'll get to in a second, who is the character in Misaba's body, is groping Misaba's chest. He goes, "They're so realistic." He thinks basically he's dreaming. Gets up takes off the, like, nightgown, and then they pan up, and you realize, like, oh, he's a lady. He's in a lady body. And they cut. And they cut to... a shot of a tomato that is really kind of hilariously suggestive if you pause and you think about it if you watch the movie like like oh 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 okay ah you've earned that I guess and so guest dressed goes downstairs they have they have breakfast And she, and but during breakfast, there's an announcement from the mayor, and it's pointed out that they all decide we're turning this off. They unplug the public warning system, which is in their house, which is odd when it's presented, but you'll understand why in a second. You'll understand why later. And they turn on the TV, and the TV is talking about a comet. It's like in three days, like you know, well, the comet will be fully visible, and blah 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 blah. And that's the first time that the full story is kind of hinted at. And then she goes to school. Her friends are like, "What happened to you yesterday? You were weird. You were weird, weird. You, your hair wasn't done." We're just kind of disheveled and cackling all the time. It was weird. You were weird. And it's like, okay. Blah, 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 blah. And so, they also focus later on, 
a kind of ceremony where basically Misaha has, has to chew rice, spit in a cup, and it like ferments and makes like natural sake, and then like offer it to the gods. And that's and that is that comes in later as like a ceremonial thing, blah 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 blah. And then they shift over to Taki. And Taki and Taki gets the same kind of treatment, like, what was wrong like they spent a whole then she goes to actually then she goes to sleep and she wakes up at she wakes up as Taki. And she spent the whole day in Taki's body, um meets Taki's friends, experiences Tokyo, has to go work as a waiter in like a not an upscale diner. Not like an up like a maybe like an upscale ish diner. And meets kind of Taki's like crush, which is Miss this woman named Miss this woman or girl named Miss Okera Miss Okera and through a sequence of events they get closer and eventually they go on a date. And I'm just kind of brushing past certain things because it I would like more as many people to go see this movie as possible. Even though Makoto Shinkai literally tells people like maybe don't watch this movie anymore because too many of you have seen it now and people are calling me the next Hayao Miyazaki, and that makes me, like, cry myself to sleep be- because I'm so nervous. And I don't... Because, give you an idea, Makoto Shinkai also made movies like Voices of a Distant Star, which would basically, would you like to cry... Would you like to be a grown man who cries watching a movie about space loneliness at 12.30 at night? then watch this movie at 12.30 at night. It'll do the trick. Um, he also made 5 centimeters per second. He made um, Place Promised in Our Early Days. He made... Um, Garden of Words. Those are all, like, massively sad movies. And then he made another movie called Children Who Chase Lost Voices, which, it's got a whole insane title, but, you, but if you search Children Who Chase Lost Voices, you'll see it. That was kind of him trying to ape um, Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli, and that one probably comes off the most odd, because it, it doesn't feel as... held together held together as his other movies but his other movies lack a particular thing they are all beautiful well done well directed movies but they're all heartachingly emotionally cripplingly sad and that is hard to sell it is it's hard to sell a ton of people on a movie like would you like to come to a theater would you like to pay 17 bucks would you like to pay another 20 bucks on concessions and bullshit to sit in a movie theater and cry yourself 
into a puddle because of a cartoon, because of an anime movie. That's a hard sell. That is not usually what people go to those go to anime movies for. Um, but with this movie, it has a much more commercial plot line, and it's it it has a satisfying ending. So, and as a result millions and billions and billions of people want to see this movie and the expectations for his next movie are now like ultra high because now he's not just this guy who makes like movies about teens not being able to hug each other because they're in giant robots on the other side of the freaking galaxy now he makes like blockbusters like blockbusters that people will go see and they will invest themselves in. Um, but so basically, the idea of this movie is like, what if Freaky Friday met time travel, met time travel, and was low and was like a met like. Starcross love lovers love story all jumbled up into one. So after after it's established that oh, these two people are waking up in each other's bodies prospectively, basically when they go to sleep, they do a really good job because they know they only have a the movie knows it knows how much time it has. It knows how much time it has to tell the story. And it's very aware of how it needs to pace itself to get from point A to get from point A to B successfully. So then they jump into like a montage where basically they say like, you know, ever like anywhere from one to three times a week we randomly switch. The, the, the trigger is sleep, the cause is unknown, and they establish rules like Taki's not supposed to grope Misa's chest at all. Um, they have a whole thing like Misa just keeps wasting Taki's money on sweets, and they leave each other diary entries. So they have a whole, they have a running conversations about everything from, you know, like. Misa wasting money on sweets to, oh yeah, I set up a date with Miss Okra, to oh yeah, this thing is happening, to finally they get to the point where they're like, at the end of the date at the end of the date you, like after the date, the comet should be visible and the the comet is happening in both time, in both in both of their perspective like places so it's not like they're on other ends of the earth like the same time in the same the same time in both of their locations so they're relatively close they're like on the same continent at least um and then all of a sudden like talking can't get through and it kind of bothers him but they wake up in their own bodies the next day 
And that's not abnormal because the switching is perceived as random. But they're crying, but, but it shows that both of them are crying, actually, from the opposite eye. And neither of them really knows why. I think it's from that point. No, I didn't, and they keep switching for a while, and, like, they keep having conversations, and, like, Miss o- Okrida, who is a, who is an interesting character because they cast her as, like, a potential love interest for Taki at first, and then she, during their date, she's like, you're kind of a different person than the person I kind of agreed to go on this date with, I don't know what happened, but, you know, we can still be friends, whatever. And then, so they go on for a while, and then all of a sudden, they stop switching. And it's like that, that, and all of a sudden you notice that Mitsuha kind of isn't in the story anymore. And this happens after the comet. After the night of the comet. And Taki gets very disturbed by this. But even before that, during his date with Miss Okada, he's sitting, they, they go through like an art gallery, uh, photo exhibition for nostalgia for quote unquote nostalgia and you see these pictures that look like the town that Mitsuha is from and he's like what these look familiar and the town is Izumori by the way so he sees pictures of Izumori, it's like, this looks really familiar. They just kind of like, it's like, it could be anything, leave it. It's a little, it's a little odd to him. But later, once they stop switching, he kind of becomes obsessed with it, and he starts sketching these really elaborate drawings of Izumori in, like, really vivid detail, like he's been there and he's spent a lot of time there because he has, in a way. Um, and over a bunch of different plot points, including him, Miss Okura, and one of his friends traveling to to where Izumori was, you find out that Nollie's he Freaky Friday style switching bodies with Mitsuha, but he's doing it across timelines. So, Mitsuha exists three years in the past. And he exists in the, at least the stories take three years after that. In, in the state that he is switching with her. So, she is in the past aware of him in the future and they're switching back and forth for a period of time. And this is the first and this is the first time you're like, oh what's happening? Because Izumori is gone. It's wiped off the face of the map. What happened was that 
big comet that was going through the sky broke apart. A piece of it fell onto Izamori and killed everybody. Just everybody dead. Um, but the... But he... So he becomes kind of obsessed and he becomes like deeply sad and he doesn't want to accept it and then he remembers that the when he was switching back and forth with Misa there was a day when they had to go to the to the um Musabi shrine basically which is on the top of a dead volcano basically like it's it's on top of a mountain with a big crater in it and it dips in and there's a tiny hand-built stone shrine in there. And they give, and they offer, they leave some of the, the shrine maiden sake, the Kasukabe sake, I think it's called, there. And that is the equivalent of leaving half of, Mitsuba, of Mitsuha, leaving half of herself there, but Taki was in her body at that time, so he's like, this is half of Misa, and he's like, kind of wondered about that, put it down, and just like, acted as the person he was supposed, that he was pretending to be, and then left. And so he gets, and, but, what Mitsuha's grandmother says is that this shrine is a place kind of beyond time that is not linked to the normal rules, basically. So he goes to the shrine and once he's in the shrine he's really starts to realize like, oh it really was three years ago. It's like this bottle should be brand new if it was recent. And he Uncaps the sake, drinks it, and falls backwards. Bumps his head. Doesn't know, and be, at least the way the movie sets it up, because he is, when unconscious, or went to sleep, in a place that is unbound by the rules of time, his, he, his consciousness travels wherever the hell it wants to. He wakes up as Mita again. The difference is he wakes up as Mita the day of the festival when the comet comes down and kills everybody. And this is where the movie takes a hard shift and starts being less about being less of like a time-traveling Freaky Friday scenario and more about let's save the town, let's save all the villagers in the town if we can't save the town. And so Misaha and her friends basically, he he as Mitaki and all Misa's friends while he's borrowing Misa's body. God, this is hard to, like... It's, if it sounds difficult to follow, that's because uh, explaining it is difficult to, 
makes it difficult to follow. Watching the movie, this is a very, it's like, it's like, oh no, yeah, of course, of course that Taki meets his body. They, they do a really good job of changing the mannerisms of each character based on who is, whose consciousness is in each character. Like when Taki is using Misa's body, Misa is very like brash and like lazy and like, like was like sit with like her legs open and like just do weird male posturing bullshit, which is hilarious. Um, and when Misa is using Taki's body, like, Taki as a person who is clearly, like, they tell you basically, like, he's short, he's hot-headed and short-tempered and all this stuff, like, bravado bullshit a little bit, and but all of a sudden she's, like, kind of meek and super apologetic and way more feminine and all that stuff. Um, so they make a really good, they do a good job of letting you know exactly who each person is at whatever time. But so, Taki, as Mitsuha, and Mitsuha's friends concoct what is basically a terrorist plot with good, with good intentions. Um, the, I forget the guy's name, but the guy that Mitsuha's friends with is training basically to do construction work and demolition work, and so he has access to explosives, TNT. And basically they plot to blow up the power plant, cause a little forest fire, and get everybody evacuated from the village before the comet comes down and destroys the village, saving everybody. That almost backfires, but it doesn't. They save everybody. But in the process of this all happening, Misaha and Taki meet face-to-face as themselves for the first time. And then they're, like, ripped apart. Now, in a normal Makoto Shinkai movie, that ripping apart is kind of where the movie ends. It's like... Love never works out, and we all die alone. <laughs> Makoto Shinkai. <laughs> um, me and me and a friend used to have a joke about Makoto Shinkai that the reason why his name sounds the way it is is because that is the sound of someone reaching in and ripping your heart out of your chest while it's still beating and stopping it. So just Makoto. Shinkai. Um, and that, that is not abnormal for the way the rest of his movies have gone. But the, the thing that I think makes this movie, takes this movie to a, the next level and makes people really love it is that it keeps going. Where Makoto Shinkai would have normally stopped and would have like done all the good work to stop there. It's not like it would be an incomplete story. He would make sure it was complete and blah, 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 blah. He keeps going. And it it focuses on Taki from that point. The first half of this movie 
is really heavily focused on Misaha, the like the first quarter. The last three quarters, last three quarters are more focused on Taki, just to make the viewer feel the loss more. I mean, it, it is it is by a male creator, so it kind of makes sense. Blah 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 blah. Um, but you realize Taki has kind of forgotten something, and like they instantly forget each other, and like all of Mitsuha's diary entries and all of Taki's diary entries kind of like vanish from each other's phones and like that really freaks them out and Taki was supposed to write a name down on Misa's hand but he just wrote I love you and she's like oh fuck now I really don't know who he is and I need to um but Taki goes into the process of of graduating from high school, graduating from college, looking for a job, and his obsession with kind of, like, sketching out the, like, what Izumori looked like has turned to him, and I think this is really interesting, wanting to design, wanting to do urban planning for, like, parks and stuff. So he keeps going on interview after interview, can't find it, can't can't find the interview and like this, this internal monologue where he's like I'm always looking for something I can never find it I don't know what I'm looking for anymore I don't even know who I'm looking for if it is a person am I just looking for a job or am I look, looking for something different I don't know but I know something's missing and at that point in the story, you see this news report about the comet splitting, and it says at the time, you know, it was considered to be a miracle, like, like they pulled Trigon basically and they were like, it was a miracle without God's help. The entire village was destroyed, but there were no casualties, because the village was having a, um, was having an evacuation drill that day, on that day. Countless conspiracy theorists have, like, sought all that stuff through, and Taki says, like, yeah, when that first happened a bunch of years ago, I became strangely obsessed with it. Uh, and then he just kind of, like, they go back to that storyline. And... He... Later on the later you are reintroduced to him on the train which is where you saw him in the beginning and then the trains pass each other and he sees Mitsuha on the train Mitsuha has has kind of they've both grown up at the same rate because they were the same age duh and she's now working in the city kind of as unfulfilled as he is and blah 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 and they both get off their train to freak out and go look for each other. But the thing that happened that attached Mitsuha to Taki, the same way that Taki was attached to her, was because there was a three-year 
time travel skip that they were traversed that their con- their minds were traversing over with each other. She actually went came to see him in Tokyo, saw him, but it was three years before any he had ever experienced that time skip, that that like trans that Freaky Friday thing. So she saw him and he didn't know who she was but she left him her like essentially hair ribbon which are all which the story brings up as being handmade and they ascribe importance to it by talk by saying it's like it resembles time and that the ribbons tangle and that the threads tangle unravel and sometimes break and reconnect just like a union and just like time. And through the entire ordeal they've had, they basically found they love each other. And like, they they go through great pains to say like, you know, I'm not interested in anybody. I don't want a relationship. Blah, 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 blah. But then it's made really clear that's because they actually want a relationship with each other. And after Taki graduates and goes looking for a job, you're reintroduced to Miss Okuda, who, when they went looking for Mitsuha, reveals kind of like, I kind of fell in love with Taki after I, like, saw this different side of him, blah, 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 but I'm just gonna have to give up on it. And you see that she's found happiness another way, she's moved on, they're still friends, um, but she's married. And you also see that the two, that Misa's two friends moved to Tokyo and got, and are getting married. Um, so, we can go to the end now, and they're just kind of, like, looking for each other and just missing each other in a bunch of different ways and then finally they're on like a outdoor staircase they pass each other and they realize oh I know you I don't know how I know you but I know you and then it kind of like pans up to the end to the end title splash it's like great with great music, also from the Roadwinds, the people, the band that did the first song, which is called Then, Then, Then. You can find that on iTunes pretty easily. You can either find the full soundtrack to the movie, the two different versions of that, or you can find a bunch of, a bunch of albums from the Roadwimps. They are actually a great band. Um, but... The thing the movie gets at is it gets at, and it gets at really strongly and powerfully, it gets at the idea of deja vu. And it gets at the, how painful it is to remember that you're supposed to remember something. Like, if you had a childhood friend and you feel like they were really important to you and 
but you can't remember anything. You can't. You can remember. You can remember that they're important to you, but you can't remember them to save your life. And like, what that they, this movie demonstrates perfectly what that feels like. And it, and you know, Makoto Shinkai movies aren't. I've no. I've talked them up a lot here, but they're not. They're not perfect. They are watching watching the Blu-ray of this on my fancy TV. I you can you can notice you can notice some not all of the digital effects and there there is you can notice some of the digital effects. The actual movie itself, the, all Makoto Shinkai's movies are super, super emotionally manipulative. Like they, they take the viewer on an emotional ride for a desire to get you to a desired place to like hit you with the maximum effectiveness of just whatever emotion he wants to pump into you. Usually, crippling sadness. Um. But what he what he's really good at doing is he's good at like saying like what if you had deja vu constantly about a person or what what if you experienced the person the same way you experienced the dream and you woke up from it and you could barely remember it. And what if that dream slowly... What if that dream and that person in that dream slowly faded? It's... It's terrifying if you stop and think about it. Especially if you stop and think about somebody who you were close to. Like your mother, your father, your sister, your girlfriend, your wife. It's... The ramifications of that are terrifying. And it, but it provides a great thrill, and like you, over the course of this movie, it tells the whole love story of them going from being like, "Who the fuck are you? Why are you? What are you doing? Like, what? Is, they have a actual thing that says, "What is this life?" <laughs> Which I just want that in the. In the um, Japanese, just on a shirt that just it was like a little translation. This this says, "What is this life?" Um, but it's just and it's told in a really beautiful environment and really like engaging way. They have great side characters. They have great bit characters. Like they have a gangster. They have a yakuza gangster. Or like a who is like just like a side thing? They're just like, oh, here's this weird character for for this purpose, and he serves a story purpose, but he's kind of, in his own way, great um, at being a jerk. And they, but they also they take the time to develop the two main characters, and they explain like why Misa hates her dad, why her dad is the way he is, why, you know, 
Taki is the way he is, the way Taki has grown up to be the person he is, what's changed him, what's changed her, all this stuff, and then they find, and the thing that makes this movie so successful, and I don't think the movie would be successful if it didn't have this, is that it ends on a satisfying note. And in Japanese, in Japanese, it ends with them introducing themselves. In English, it ends with them asking each other's name. But I think that it's more. It's the, it has the same effect, but at least to me, when I saw it. I saw it like the the title of your name seemed to fit somehow with both of them saying, you know, my name is because they're both sacri- they're both satisfying each other's curiosity finally. Um but it a really good movie if you haven't seen it, it's available to buy from Funimation. You can get it on the Funimation website, I'm sure. I'm sure you can get a digital edition and stream it. Um, But you can also get a Blu-ray copy of it. It's like a super-duper deluxe Blu-ray box set. I don't know how available that is, considering it's around Christmas. Um, But I just got the, like, normal, like, straight-up Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Um, but you can get, like, a big Blu-ray with, like, the soundtrack, like, a poster, um, stickers. I've seen the stickers online. They are particularly fantastic, and the, the whole nine yards, the whole, like, special deal. Um, but the point is you can, you can find a way to see this movie for kind of any price. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, go... Go see it. It's worth seeing. Um, or if you have and you want to buy it, it's out there. Go pick it up. Um, and if you've liked this podcast, uh, you can leave me a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music. Um, you can also subscribe to me on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. I still haven't figured out Spotify because I've got stuff to do and I don't have that time, man. Um, But until next time, this has been Lunchbox Radio. I have been Alex. I'll talk at you guys later.